they need to start with an agile mindset. They need to start, it's our recommendation, with a willingness to embrace change, to try new things, and make sure they achieve better results. That's where we start. And it needs to be honed using development strategies, leadership development strategies that are intentional, that are directed toward agile government. There needs to be an integration using these strategies that brings together disparate elements in the framework to create a whole, a tapestry that can move the organization forward. Welcome to Management Matters, a National Academy of Public Administration podcast where policy meets practice. I'm Terry Gurton, president of the Academy. The IBM Center for the Business of Government, in partnership with the Academy's Agile Government Center, recently published a new paper that offers practical steps for implementing Agile government principles. And in this episode, I'll talk with Ed DeSev, the paper's author and the leader of the Agile Government Center, about the paper and its recommendations. Ed is an Academy Fellow and he leads the Agile Government Center for NAPA. Ed, thanks so much for joining me today. Gary, thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. It's always a pleasure. You were on the podcast a couple of years ago when the Academy established the Agile Government Center. So take a minute just to remind us about the mission of the center and how it works. Uh, Agile Government Center serves as the hub of a network that brings people together from around the world to use Agile Government as a tool to improve management and, and thereby improve competence and increase trust in government. We're extremely enthusiastic about the way that the techniques of agile software development and implementation have been adapted. The successful techniques of software development and implementation have been adapted to show people how to better do their jobs using teams, using networks, using involvement of the public and their customers to create value that hasn't existed before and improve trust in government. So, Terry, that's how we started. We started by creating a network of people called the Agile Government Network, which for the last three years has been trying to involve leaders at all levels of government in facets of regulation development, as well as policy development and program development. So that's what the center was designed to do. I want to thank the, uh, the Academy itself, and particularly Terry Yu and Joe Mitchell and some of the other people who have been working on Agile Government. It really has been a team effort and been a network effort throughout the NAPA fellowship. Uh, we've had tens of fellows involved in this process. And we hope to continue that. So, Ed, how have you seen the conversation around Agile Government change since you and the Academy started the Agile Government Center? Well, I think it's gone from people say, oh, yes, yes, we want to be more agile, to the point now where there's even beyond passionate lip service. There is actions around the world like the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, using Agile on an everyday basis to improve the way things are done. So we've gone from simply saying, yes, Agile is good, to saying, oh, here's how I can use it to make my life better. And it's used in a variety of ways across all levels of government. We've seen it in local governments. We've seen it in uh, national governments. You know, they talk to people in podcasts like this and other kinds of learning experiences so that we can get the message out. 
So in partnership with the IBM Center for the Business of Government, which is a partner with the Academy in the Agile Government Center, you've just published a new paper on the future of Agile Government. So how does this paper advance the concepts of Agile Government that you've already been putting out there and and promoting? Well, often when one tries to do something like this, you don't know at the end of the day where you're going to be. And so I started advancing the concepts of federal government. And a friend of mine, John Bryson, who's a professor at the University of Minnesota, said, well, there's nothing new here, except that it's all integrated. I said, John, terrific. John created, and his idea helped me create, the idea of the integrated framework for federal government. What it does is it takes all of the elements of federal government, and there are 18 or 20 different elements, puts them together in one place and it demonstrates the interaction among the elements so for example we talk about the three major categories within national government of strategy organization and implementation the framework which can be found in the report that you referenced called the future of national government the framework is something that will allow a mindset shift among managers who choose to use it it could be someone who's managing a small public safety operation in a small community somewhere. When they sit down, they have to realize that their own leadership relates to the ability to properly articulate a mission, to gain vision and gain acceptance of that vision using evidence and metrics to demonstrate to the public. They have to reach out and create networks. It's almost should be a default response to create a network and try to solve a problem and to fix that network if it isn't working well. They should work through teams, teams having a lot of autonomy and quickly moving product through the, or I'm sorry, moving management actions through the uh, system in order to build competence in the organization and have that competence free trust. Now, that, I don't know how long it took me to say that, probably a minute or so. That's the nature of the integrated framework, using all the elements to improve competence and improve trust. That's what's in the report. The report is built around uh, the idea of the integrated framework. And we intend to use that as a tool for management at all levels around the world. So I want to go back to the, the comment that you attributed to John Bryson. There's nothing new here except that it's all integrated. What makes application of Agile principles so hard? And what recommendations do you make in the paper to make it easier? It's not natural to be agile. It's not something that people immediately say, oh, yes, I want to be able to integrate all these things in order to do You walk into the office the first day and you're beset by problems and you start fighting fires and not thinking in in a strategic way about how to do your job across the board. I actually started thinking about this probably in the mid 90s working at the Department of Housing and Urban Development with the then Secretary Henry Cisneros. And we had a set of statements to be unacceptable, inappropriate, and unqualified, whatever word you want to use. What we did is we created something similar to this framework, and we got each of the operating entities within HUD to realize their own strategic direction. So what's hard is being beset by the congressional inquiries about the terrible things that you're doing. You have to step above that and you have to change your mindset. It really is a need to say, 
we're going to do things in a different way. We may not do different things, or we may, but the things we're doing, we're going to do in a different way. And that way, again, goes back to the framework. It's establishing your strategy, making sure you organize properly, and fundamentally implementing to increase confidence and trust. Agile behavior is not something that people naturally naturally default to. They tend to be beset by crises. They tend to be beset by short-term needs and gains. If they can't move up to a higher level of understanding about how their organization can become more competent, create better value for the public, and increase trust, then they'll fail along the way somewhere. We don't know where. And they probably will miss tires as a result. If I had been agile and carefully avoided that pothole, which I should have known was there, I would have been fine. But I wasn't thinking. I was just, just reacting. You have to avoid the potholes by thinking strategically across the board that have improve your organizational competence and increase trust. So, Ed, the, the paper has 10 recommendations. That's a lot for government leaders to try to tackle. So tell us a little bit about what the recommendations are and how you hope the agile innovators among us actually put them into action. Terry, thank you on that, because what we tried to do with the recommendations is direct them right to leaders, to focus them on what leaders do. And these are leaders at all of, again, it could be a small organization, be a very large organization. They need to start with an agile mindset. They need to start, it's our recommendation, with a willingness to embrace change, to try new things, and make sure they achieve better results. That's where we start. And it needs to be honed using development strategies, leadership development strategies that are intentional, that are directed toward agile government. There needs to be an integration using these strategies that brings together disparate elements in the framework to create a whole, a tapestry that can move the organization forward. The leaders must analyze and understand trust in their organizations. Department of Veterans Affairs has done a wonderful job putting out a quarterly newsletter that looks at trust in VA, measures it on a continuing basis, using surveys and other elements to do that, and has a four or five page discussion of how trust can be improved in various parts of their organization. They've already done a wonderful of looking at trust. It must begin with the understanding of your customers, understanding what the customer's needs are and what they want to move forward with. We have anecdotes that, that talk about the fact that we often miss the core need of the customer. Maybe the customer doesn't want to quick access to healthcare service. Maybe they want to talk to somebody who can explain to them where they can go to get information, how they can use the system, and continue to be, in essence, a concierge for them. Again, one of my uh, colleagues said that that's, that's what's going on at VA as well. They're giving you a point of contact. So there needs to be an understanding of customers. The idea of transparency has to be out there. If the public isn't included, then we're missing a tremendous part of what we do. We have to differentiate between the public and customers. Sometimes I'm a customer of services here in my township, like sanitation. Other times, I'm part of the public who's trying to make education better in the township. So this is a distinction. 
We also have to understand the use of cross-functional teams, the use of speed, and the ability to simultaneously execute various actions. I want to stress simultaneous execution. The framework is not designed to go from point A to point B to point C and create change within organizations that is positive and is understood by the public and people outside the organization to be positive. So those are the recommendations in a, in a capsule. And again, each one is directed right at the leaders in the organization. So, so Ed, as you go through those recommendations, I am thinking that you are asking leaders to act in a very countercultural way. You know, if you've grown up in government bureaucracy, breaking it is not a natural habit. As you said, it's an unnatural behavior. So what resources do government leaders need in order to be able to implement the framework and the recommendations that you've laid out? I think first they need to see within themselves the need for change. Um, I've read several books on agile implementation in the private sector, and each of those top leaders, in this case, is the CEOs of places like Microsoft, have said, while we're doing well, we're, we could do a lot better if we change the way we related to our customers or change the way we, we related first thing you need is to see the need for change within your organization as a leader. Now, not every leader will see the need for change. Many will simply be custodians of current systems. One of the proponents of Agile within the federal government is very concerned that his production system not be converted quickly and deliver benefits very quickly. He's also got uh, systems that work slowly and pay bills every day. So you have to, as a as a leader, look at those areas where change is desirable and possible and distinguish, A, that those fundamental bureaucratic tasks will also be subject to agility and change. But you have to recognize where you can use agile techniques and where you can. And you can use them where there is a need for change and a need for improvement. So how do leaders get a handle on recognizing that they themselves need these agile principles and practices. Uh, is there training that they can participate in? The academy is going to begin uh, standing up, although we've actually prototyped some training with the Federal Executive Institute over the last couple of years. We're going to be standing up a more extensive learning program so that uh, training is one thing. You train a dog, but as a, as a leader, you need to learn, and you need to learn in a variety of ways. You need to learn from courses that you can take, and we're going to start to create some of those courses. But you also need to learn from others who have been uh, implementing Agile. You need to learn as kind of an on-the-job training to take the list of principles, take the ideas in Agile, and try them a few places. So we're going to be putting out a series of learning objectives for people within the, the elements of the framework. And we're going to be offering different kinds of, we, we in this case is the Agile Governance Center, we'll be offering different kinds of learning experiences for people in the government around the world. We'll be partnering with some major uh, educational and training organizations, not exclusively. We're delighted to take our content and put our content. If you've got a billboard and you want to put our content on the billboard, we'll do that. We're trying to find a variety of ways that government leaders can absorb the material that's been created within the framework 
stay tuned uh, to the website, the Atlanta Government Center website, which is within the, it's a headline, in fact, within uh, the NAPA website itself. More more information like this will be forthcoming and made available across the elements of the framework. So Ed, at the end, I'm going to come back to that training program that you've just talked about, but I want to circle way back to the beginning about the mission of the center, how it works and where this paper fits into it, because it seems to me that there's a public trust undercurrent that flows through all of the text and all of the conversation about agile government. And I know that this is something that's really important to you. How do you explain the relationship between agile government practices and public trust, which I think gets us to the real why of agile. We rely heavily in the wonderful research on OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. It just finished a 22 country survey, which was published in, in late June, early July, which identifies the fact that more than 50% of the respondents in these countries do not feel that their government will do the right thing most of the time. Now, you want to get the trust up as high as you can. Again, VA has it now for their customers within the 75% range, coming up from the 55% range. You need to move it up. Why? Because lack of trust is corrosive. If I don't trust what you're doing, I will either take my ball and go home, or I will try to change the way my relationship with you is handled so I don't have to trust you anymore because I can, I can see behind the curtain. All of these things are corrosive. They end up causing organizations to have to put in new regulations or different uh, safeguards for this and that and the other thing. And that's a typical government reaction. Are we, are we supplying services quickly that meet the needs of the public? in a competent way, that's public trust. Are we also respecting their values? Are we being open? Are we being inclusive? Are we being transparent in the way our government is run? Those are all elements that are measured by OECD. What we wanna do in each organization is take that measurement and move the, move the dial up and to the right for our customers and for the public. And I continue to distinguish between the customers in the public. If I see a significant improvement in the metrics called test scores or the metrics called um, average daily attendance at the time to graduate is down, and all of those things are very important to me as a member of the public and believing that I've got a good school system. And there may be other metrics that I'm not using right now that we could do that with. If I'm a customer of the sanitation organization, my trash gets picked up and they don't dump it all over the place. And they do it on a timely basis so I can be comfortable that my Christmas tree is gonna go when they say my Christmas tree is gonna go. I believe it would be confident. And I think our sanitation workers here in my township are very confident. I trust those guys. There aren't a lot of gals that I've seen in the, on the trucks. I trust the guys and there may be some gals as well to do the right thing, do it quickly, do it efficiently, and even friendly, even be friendly about it so that competence improves my trust. The fact that my school district's data is readily available, is transparent to me as a member of the public, improves my trust. I now am more likely to vote for increases in uh, taxation and bond issues 
and uh, if I had to vote for it, raises for the sanitation workers because I trust these workers in this education system. So that's the relationship. We're trying to measure that in agility. We're trying to approve our agility, and we're trying to respect public values at the same time. So the underlying theory is that agile behavior among government leaders improves government performance and competency, and people are more likely to trust a government that delivers transparently and competently. In a word, yes. But again, I have to add, we have to do it in a way that people understand what's going on so that it's transparent, that it is inclusive of what they have, and it's it's not fraught with corruption. It's, it has great integrity along the way. With those three things, transparency, inclusion, and integrity, then we have the competence added to it, the ability to do things quickly, to do what we say we're going to do. The, the respect for public values indicators working together. Got it. So for our listeners, we're going to put in the show notes today a link to Ed's current paper and a link to the materials on the Agile Government Center. But Ed, before we wrap up today, what's next for the Agile Government Center and the Agile Government Network? Well, we're opening the network to the public because we found that they'd like to come and listen. And so there will be four forums this year hosted by the Agile Government Network, which has been a group of about 50 or 60 leaders from around the world. Um, When I say around the world, from the Middle East, from the Far East, South America. And what we're going to do in these four forums is look at first agile learning. We're going to bring a group of experts together to make recommendations about how agile learning within the context of the framework can be made easily available to leaders throughout the world. We're going to bring them together, take their recommendations, and then make them public. In, in a, in a two-day span. Uh, we'll be doing that sometime in late March. God willing, in the creek don't rise. And it will be available on our website as well. There will be information like the meeting itself will be recorded as uh, both the video and the audio and be made available to the public so they can see recommendations of agile learning technology and agile government. And uh, the uh, folks at ACT EDUs, agile software development principles, but making sure that those successful integrations of the software development and actual government actually happen, that people take new technology and use it in an appropriate way, trying to find that interface along the way. Third form will be a natural leadership. It's a paper that's being developed uh, with a friend of ours at Constant University in Esmeralda. And the fourth will be actual policy. We last year did a report on agile regulation. So the forum on agile policy will be similar to the forum on agile regulation. And that should come sometime in December. So please join us. We'll be on the Management Matters uh, daily report. We'll be putting out invitations for those forums. And we'd like you to join us in them along the way. That's what's next, Terry. And we're excited about it. And we'll continue to try to innovate as we go forward. Well, Ed, it sounds like you've got a great year ahead. And I want to thank you for joining us today to share what's happening with the Agile Government Center and and what's coming up and congratulate you on your paper. Um, And we're looking forward to the impact and the conversations that it's going to generate. So thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Jerry. 
For our listeners, check back every Monday for a new episode from the Academy as we work to build a just, fair, and inclusive government that strengthens communities and protects democracy.